Welcome to the Conscious Living Podcast, conversations to educate, empower, and enlighten our world. An uplifting and inspiring series of conversations and talks with your host, Jackie Woodside. We are educating minds, empowering lives, and enlightening souls to create a world where love prevails. In this engaging podcast, we deliver exciting, positive, transformative talks and teachings designed to elevate your life. Now, let's join our host, Jackie Woodside, for this week's session. Hi, everybody. Jackie Woodside here with another extraordinary episode of the Conscious Living Podcast, where we are here to educate, empower, and enlighten our world. Thank you so much for being here with us uh, for another episode to think deeply about how we are engaging with life, how we are approaching life with what level of consciousness? Are we conscious? Are we aware? Are we uh, spending our days making this world a better place? And I could not be more thrilled and honored today to bring together a friend and colleague to the show, Dr. Darnielle, who is uh, uh, Dr. Darnielle Jarvie Harmon, three three names there, who is an extraordinary award-winning CEO of Incredible One Enterprises, a multi-million dollar coaching and consulting brand that she founded 15 years ago. She is mostly known for transforming audiences from the moment that she opens her mouth, and we're going to hear more about that today. She equips her audiences with strategies to leverage and scale their business with grace and ease, and she shares her Move to Millions framework so that others can increase their income, influence, and impact. So that's a little bit about Dr. Darnielle, but there's other things that I just found extraordinary. In 2012, she was named Coach of the Year. In 2018, she was awarded the Women, uh, Women President Organization's Women of Color Excellence Award. In 2019, she was named the Black CEO of the Year. Uh, and a finalist for the E-Woman Network made it to a million award. In 2022, she joined the inaugural list of Success 125 Leaders to Watch, and her company ranked 1,200 in, Link, in Inc.'s 5,000 fastest growing companies. Holy cow, and I could go on. There's a, at least another paragraph or two of accolades, but Dr. Danielle, wow, you are a force to be reckoned with. Why don't you take just a couple of minutes to say a little bit more uh, to our listeners so they can keep getting to know you? Absolutely. First, Jackie, I just want to honor you and say thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to come and share time and space with you. I'm excited about the conversation and the topic. Other things that I would say about me, I, I do often when I hear my accolades come back to me, I'm like, oh, I am pretty impressive. But you know, I am regular. I am a normal ev everyday girl. I like to laugh. I like to have fun. I'm sometimes quirky. I um I put my pants on one leg at a time, just like everyone else. I just made a decision a very long time ago that I was going to live into the gifts that God placed on the inside of me. I'm like Irma Bombeck. She has that quote, when I stand before God at the end of my life, I hope not to have a single bit of talent left saying I used everything he gave me. And that is my mission is to show up fully to serve deeply and to tremendously impact the lives of other people. I'm a wife. Hopefully one day I'll be somebody's mama. I'm a fur mom. Um, yeah. And I'm just a girl who just likes to laugh and have fun and read books and just happens to run this award-winning company. 
Wow, extraordinary, extraordinary success. So you said that you want to use all of the talents that God has placed within you. A little bit about that, you know, again, I want to get into this whole thing of being an entrepreneur, living like, you know, kind of full out, you know, nothing left in you uh, and how it relates to conscious living. But, you know, one of the ways that we live life consciously is our ability to discern our gifts, mm -hmm. right? Our, and to own those gifts, to claim those gifts, to recognize those are gifts from God, that if I have them, they're here to be expressed out into this world. Absolutely. So, a little bit about that, Danielle, your gifts, you know, the gifts that you've been given and how you are kind of cultivating your life and your business to express them. Absolutely. And I am multi-gifted. Um, I first became aware of my gifting when I was 10 years old. Wow. Uh, that was the first time I had a conscious connection to, I am a gifted child. And at that particular point in time, I had a teacher. I will always and forever be so grateful and so indebted to Mrs. Dixon because I am so grateful that she saw me. You know, she had every right to write me off like many of the other teachers did in those early years when I was an angry black child, completely angry. My Where mom had just up? gone to jail. Oh, wow. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware. In Delaware. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, my mom had just gone to jail serving eight years. Uh, we went to live with my father, life just completely uprooted, feeling extremely abandoned. And I was pissed off and yeah. I thought I had every right to be pissed off. And Miss Dixon did not look at me and see angry black child. She saw the promise and potential. She saw the God on the inside of me, even though I don't even know if I knew the God on the inside of me at eight. And she introduced me to a journal and it was through learning the power of journaling that I discovered my, my primary gift, which is to use words to change other people's lives. I am an amazing communicator. People say to me all the time, which is why in my bio, it says, as soon as I open my mouth, I literally have people on the edge of their seats from the moment my mouth opens, because the gift that God has given me to string words together in a way that allows people to see themselves to feel seen and heard. And as a result, desire to take actions and implement things that maybe they've heard a hundred times before that now all of a sudden they make sense. They've gotten the clarity to take the next step. It has to be from God because I don't know where that comes from. Oh I've never God. gone through a speaker training program, but I get the highest reviews everywhere I go because this is my innate gift oh to use words to make people feel seen and heard. And I think it's because I'm, an, I'm a middle child who often felt invisible as a child. And, you know, parents are either chasing after the oldest to keep them from <laughs> causing problems or coddling the youngest, right? The yeah. ones in the middle, God bless the child, right? And so I learned very early the importance of self-awareness, self-efficacy, and really um, even self-esteem and, and leveraging those in various ways. Um, consciousness for me started happening very young. I wanted to not be a product of the environment that I was raised in. Both of my parents were addicts and we lived in the projects and I didn't want to be that. And so I had to be very conscious to decide I wanted to be something else. And so education became my way out of the ghetto and um, it opened up a, an amazing reality and what has become today a pretty substantial life. Wow. I love that. You know, uh, I, I, I say similar things about myself and my communication ability. So I'll give you my phrase that I use. Articulation is my superpower. 
I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I might steal it. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving it to you. I love you know, it. Uh, I'm, I'm not good at, at a whole lot of things, but I am articulate and that can be a superpower uh, because it, it can really help you mold and change people's lives much like the teacher did for you. Yeah. So I, I mean, it's an extraordinary journey from, you know, being in the projects, both your parents addicted, your mom in prison to running a multimillion dollar company and being nationally, internationally recognized for how fast growing your company is. Help, you know, a lot of people, maybe who are my listeners would look at somebody like you, Darnielle, and not think that consciousness or living consciously is one of your high values, hmm. but I know that it is. I know they'd that, be wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, they'd be wrong. Exactly right. So, but but you know, kind of the the stereotype of the, yeah, the driven entrepreneur who's going to just go out and make things happen, and you know, work in twenty hour days or whatever. So yeah, that's like that's not that maybe you do work twenty hour days. I don't no, know. I, but, don't, but, I do not work twenty yeah. hour days. No, yeah. I do not. I do not believe in that. Um, I think for me, the reason why conscious living is so important. Is because I, I believe that, you know, we only have one life to live mm -hmm. and we do have a purpose and intention. I am a God girl. And I do believe like the scripture says that before we were formed in our mother's womb, God knew us and he approved us, right? That approval process was him giving us our gifts and talents that we would go out into the world, right? And, and that scripture, another scripture I think about um, Habakkuk 2 and 2, write the vision and make it plain, write it on tablets that so that they that read it might run with it. Mm -hmm. Like we've been given a purpose. We're all prophets. We all have a message to share. And the point of that message is that we might share it with others that we might help them to have a better life. And so for me, living haphazard and acting as if there is not a purpose for my life and being conscious to that and the choices and decisions that I make in every single day, not thinking about them with intention would be like saying, God, he didn't need to, telling God he didn't need to bother to create me. Mm -hmm. That's how important conscious living is to me. And mm -hmm. I believe that I have what I have today because I've learned to be conscious. I've learned to be present. I've taken a look at what has happened in my life and I've found opportunities to be a victor instead of a victim. I mean, cause sure I could sit here and I could give you the woe was me story. Cause I got plenty of that in my life uh, experience, but I've decided to be conscious and to take everything that happened to me as it didn't happen to me. It happened for me. That's right. And because it didn't kill me, it didn't take me out of here. There's a lesson to be learned from it. Right. And there's an opportunity for me to pass those lessons on. And so um, for me, conscious living is everything. And while I don't know that anyone ever, I mean, as an adult, you know, hearing the words and like, oh yeah, that sounds like me. But as a child, I don't know that anyone ever said to me, I want you to be conscious. I don't want you to right. you know, live this way, but mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine not being intentional and making sure that my life matters. And that doesn't mean I don't have fun. And that doesn't mean that I don't, you know what I mean? Cause it, cause it can sound like life is pretty boring if you're being right. intentional. Right. But I think life is amazing when you're in intentional and you don't oh, miss dude. any of the moments that take your breath away because you're intentional about them. Exactly. So. Right. I love that. So I have so many, so many questions. Let's go back a little bit. You know, you, you said where you came from, you have lots of reasons to, you know, kind of lament and you just chose not to do that. You chose to be the victor. This is happening for me, not to me. That's a level of consciousness, as I'm sure you know, you're not living yes. in the, 
you know, to me consciousness, the survive, what I call survival consciousness. You're not living in the stress consciousness. You've transformed, you've transformed your experience. Can you talk about like, at what point, and if you remember it, and if there was a moment, but I don't know, I have a feeling that maybe there was, was there a moment that, that you can point to that you remembered like, you know, like, again, I'm sorry, I'm rambling a bit, but both your parents being addicts, you know, and, and so you having that around you, seeing that, being exposed to that. My parents also were alcoholics. Um, so, it, you know, similar kind of thing like mm -hmm. that. And I don't drink. I just, just don't, just don't make it. Yeah, me neither. I'm like, I'm not going near anything, I any controlled substance, just in case it's hereditary. I'm staying exactly away. Right. I just don't, I don't want, want that, that in my life. And yeah, I, I you know, it's so funny too. The other thing I like myself, like, mm -hmm. why do I need to alter my state? Right. <laughs> I exactly. like the state I'm in. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, that was completely an aside. But can you kind of go back and, and you know, you talked about that teacher, but that, you know, what were those defining moments for you where you're like, mm -mm, you know, that's not for me and and making, if you will, a more conscious choice. Yeah. I, I don't normally think about children as making conscious choices, quite honestly. So but we do. That, yeah. yeah, so, like, yeah so school so, me a little bit. School yeah. Miss Dixon absolutely at 10 was a, was a defining moment. It was my first. The second defining moment, I was in the eighth grade and all of my little friends at the time were getting pregnant. They were having their first baby. Whoa, I told you, like, I, on purpose? I grew up in the projects and like, okay, right, right, right. Eventually, Sorry. Sorry. we moved out of the projects, but we lived across the like, street. Yeah. Oh my God. So like 13 years old, they're having babies. Wait, on purpose? Like they were getting pregnant on purpose? Well, I don't know if they were, I don't know if it was on purpose so much as maybe they weren't educated enough to yeah, know yeah, that if you're having sex yeah. and you're having it unprotected and you could get pregnant, like, happen. yeah, yeah. Like, but like, so that was another very conscious thing that I was like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. I don't want any babies. I got to change the world. Wow. Like, so, so that was like 13. You literally knew you needed to go out and change the world. I, well, I knew it at 10. So when I, when I, when Miss Dixon gave me that first journal, I talk about this in my book that'll be out later this year, Move to Millions. Okay. When Miss Dixon gave me that first journal, she said, every time you get angry, I want you to write. I don't think Miss Dixon was aware that I was a very, as angry as I was, because within two weeks, I filled up the whole journal. And I remember Jackie getting off of the school bus and running as fast as I could to Miss Dixon because I realized as I finished writing in that journal, it was so cathartic. I can use these words today. I couldn't at 10. Yeah. But I could tell at that moment that I had discovered my purpose. And I ran to her and I said, Miss Dixon, I found my purpose. I want to use words to change people's lives because writing in this book has changed my life. Like it has changed my countenance. I'm not mad anymore. I don't want to burn things down. Like I, I don't want that anymore. And so knowing that, like at that point, making that decision very consciously, and then at 13, almost 14 being like, yeah, no, I got to change. I said, I wanted to change lives with words. I can't do that. If I'm ba having babies, it's not even a possibility. So what do I do? I did the opposite. So I ran headfirst into education and books. And, you know, I have happened to have had a perfect verbal SAT score. I got a perfect <laughs> 800 on the verbal SAT because I was a studier, like consciously. So, so in high school, my teacher, Miss Jane McFan, who was an author, was my teacher in ninth and 10th grade English. Another defining moment because I had said, I want to use words to change lives, but now I actually met a person who is using words to change lives. Who is doing it, right. Right. And I'm like, 
you know, to the point where I used to say I wanted to, you know, when I was very young, I wanted to be an attorney, mainly because I just wanted to use words, right? And and studying English in college was because of Miss McFan, another defining moment. Like all of the these moments were I was very conscious to them. I've I've been a very conscious child. Like I can remember things that happened when I was two years old. I can remember, I'm 47 today and I can still tell you things that happened to me at two. And so I I just think that that's a part of my gift. Like I do have this unique mechanism of how I can connect with people. That has to be God. Like how would I know, right? And so I think I've just been very clear and cognizant of these things my entire life. And even when I've had setbacks, because- you know, the one thing I don't want to portray to your listeners right now is that I'm perfect and I woke up like this. I am not Beyonce. Don't cue the Beyonce energy. No, I done been through some stuff. And we can go in that direction if you'd like. But, you know, and and even when I've experienced and gone through setbacks, the bounce back has been quick because I'm conscious. Because you're conscious. And I, and I don't live in a victim state. My therapist, when I, I started seeing a therapist when I was 18, because my parents jacked me up. <laughs> like I was conscious enough to know I was jacked up and I went to college and they offered us, they said, as a part of your tuition, you have access to this support. And I started seeing a therapist. Good for you at 18. At 18, because I was conscious that something was wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 because of that, my therapist said, you know, I'm I'm extremely resilient. And when a child or when children experience, and you know this, you're a psychotherapist, when the children experience the trauma that I experienced there, most of them succumb to the trauma and don't rise above it. But I've always been resilient because I consciously chose to be resilient. I got chills. (laughs) I got chills. That's amazing. You, I mean, you really do have a gift. I mean, that is extraordinary to be that conscious, that young. I wasn't just to be clear (laughs) stuff as well. PTSD history, depression, domestic violence, addiction. I was a hot mess for a lot longer than you. Um, <laughs> but I'm not I've had today. My hot mess moments, though. What's that? I've had hot mess moments. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit, Darnielle. Not to be voyeuristic, but because one of the things that I think people struggle with mm-hmm. is, yeah, but you don't understand. Yeah, yeah, but I've gone through. Yeah, but. And I say, well, no, I, I actually do. Cause like, I don't care what you say. There's a good chance I went through it. Listen, so, I mean, different, like I still suffered from addiction, but it was different. Like it wasn't alcohol or drugs because those were substances, but I was addicted to success. And there was a period in time in my life where I was addicted to sex. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I was just crazy stuff. Doing yeah. Crazy like stuff. looking for love in all the wrong places. Right. Like that. And then you know, challenges with money. I filed bankruptcy and almost lived in my car. I had a car repossessed twice. Like, <laughs> listen, I didn't have it all figured out my whole life. Like, I I made some bad choices. I've been engaged four times. Whoa. Like, couldn't, like, a ban- significant abandonment issues and wouldn't let a man love me. I had some amazing men come. The first guy was a jerk, but some amazing men <laughs> came that. into my life and I willed them away with my inability to be loved because I thought being abandoned was better because I didn't heal from what my mom did to me when she went to jail on my eighth birthday. Like, and I'm so conscious to it because I've spent lots of years in therapy, (laughs) which is why I can even talk about it without getting all, you know, my panties getting in a bunch. But, but I think that 
you know, all of us, and, and, and this is why I like to tell the story, because I know that there are a lot of multi-million dollar people out there and millionaires who want to lead you to believe that their life has always been sunshine and rainbows, yeah. but you don't help anybody yeah. if you've never been through anything and, or if you're not willing to be transparent and vulnerable enough to put your stuff out there, I'm not helping anyone see what's possible for them. They, I mean, there's somebody right now listening to this show that has their own business and their business has not been as successful and they want to give up and they've been tossed and turned into all of these things. But hearing me share my truth might give them the courage to try their business one more time. And as a result, this time it might stick for them. And that wouldn't happen if I, if I kept it or try their marriage one more time, right? Try that next relationship one more time. So you said you made, you know, why you're not still a hot mess and all of that. I I think that's hysterical twice repossessed (laughs) cars. I, in all my hot mess stories, I don't have that one. So (laughs) that's just, I don't know. I like, I like that. So you said, you know, you're not a hot mess any longer because you made conscious choices. So, so can you tie the two together a little bit for our listeners? And for me, Darnielle, like, so, you know, you're, you're in that hot mess phase, you're messing up with relationships, you're pushing these good men away, you're messing up with your finances, you know, you're having sex in all the wrong places and hooking up with the wrong people, you know, been there, done that, live, live that life as well. What, you know, again, let's just keep you with that theme of turning points. Yeah. Like, so, and I know there wasn't just one, there wasn't just one for me either. One of my relapses was after uh, I became a mom you know, and Mm -hmm. doing everything that we had. My son is adopted. So my spouse and I went through all kinds of insemination processes, you know, three, four years trying to have a baby. Yeah. Right. And, and, uh, and, you know, my son is adopted. Um, and, and so all this work, right. To have a child, you think it'd be like, woohoo. Right. One of my biggest relapses into depression and and my addiction was after I became a mom. And I'm, I'm not proud to say that, but similar to you, if you don't share your story, nobody's right. going to help anyone. Right. And I'm fine now, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm the happiest married person I know. Um, so what were, the, let's just continue that, like those, those turning points. So you, yeah. you know, repossessed, you broke off with the second or third, uh, uh, broke off uh, with all of them. Yeah, you broke it up with all of us. So <laughs> let's just keep going. Let's you know, I, okay, so, I mean, the various things. So with money, I didn't, I didn't understand money, right? I mean, I grew up financially illiterate, like most yeah. of us do. Yeah. And no one ever talked to me about it. And I made really, really bad choices. And I thought if I paid people or I bought people things, then they would love me. And so a lot of my debt wasn't even because I was out wearing Chanel or Gucci or whatever. It was because I was paying someone else's bills or car payments or whatever, trying to keep some love in my life. Right. Yeah. A lot of it was that. And, And as a result of making bad financial decisions, you get into a place where you can't keep up. And that, I mean, that's basically what happened. I couldn't keep up. I was paying for all other people's stuff. And now my stuff is getting behind and there's not enough money. And there's just, you're hiding your car in people's garages, trying to keep it from the repo man. And all the things, Jackie, been there, done that, got about five t-shirts, at least five. <laughs> at least, at least. At least. And, um, but then you wake up one day and you're like, you know what, this there's got to be more to life than this. And this was, some of this was as a vice president in a Fortune 500 company. Like, so it wasn't even that it was like, I didn't have a good job and and all of that kind of stuff. It was just dumb, poor, young girl 
looking for love in all the wrong place decisions. Like that was really just what it was. I wanted to be loved so bad that I was willing to do almost anything. And eventually I decided to learn how to love myself. I entered into a serious relationship with my creator. And as a result, I got to know God for myself, not my grandmother's or my grandfather's definition of who God was and not a religiously binding relationship, but just seeing God for who I believe he wants us all to see him as. Not the the martyr, not the one who's going to damn you to hell the, the moment you step out of line like we were taught to believe because there's fear in religion and it keeps you in line so that people can control you, right? But just to get to know God for myself. And once I started to get to know him for myself, it made me look at myself differently. I started to see myself the way God saw me. Mm. And once I started to see myself the way he saw me, my requirements for myself began to change. I couldn't truly be a vessel that would potentially lead someone else to endeavor to build their own relationship with him if I was a hot mess. God does not get the glory in your struggle. And God is not in it for the struggle. And it's going to be hard to lead somebody to developing their own conscious relationship with their creator if it's struggle-based. Yeah. And so I had to get my ish together, Jackie. It's really what it came down to. And I, I made some decisions. I love the Emerson quote. Emerson says, once you decide, all of the universe rearranges itself to bring you what you decided. And that's good or bad. And we've all made some bad decisions that sent chaos right to our door. But guess what? We can make some good decisions and that'll send abundance and consciousness right to our door. And so I decided and you know, in my thirties, I decided to clean it up a little bit and become a person that I could be proud of and make some different decisions, some decisions that would lead me down a path that wouldn't be, you know, sending me into a tailspin of some of the things that I watched happen with my parents. And, and that, that has made all the difference. It's like the Robert Frost poem, right? Two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the road less traveled by and that has made all the difference. Wow. I'm just so moved by your story. It's really oh, thank you. <laughs> just so, so delightful. So going back to that time, I've, I've got a bunch of questions for you, but going back to that time, your thirties, you decide it's time to clean up. What kinds of changes did you need to make, Danielle? You know, I've been there too. And I know it's like, man, it's a I had lot. to cut off people. Right. I had a lot of codependent relationships that I just had to cut cold turkey. Yeah. Um, I still do this exercise to this day. Once a quarter, I look at the people I've been spending my time with and I rate them plus if they're a positive influence, minus if they're negative, a slash, if I'm indifferent about them, the negatives have to go, the positives get to stay. And the slashes have another 90 days to influence me one way or another, because I'm just too, I am on a journey to be transformation and transformation can't be bogged down with drama. Right. Um, So that was probably the biggest thing I had to learn about money. Yeah, I had to. I had to come face the fact. What did you do? Um, Well, filing bankruptcy was probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Good education, right there. Yeah, I was forced to go through a financial literacy course. Okay. So that start. That was that's the mandate in the state of Delaware that yes, you can file and have a bankruptcy discharged if you qualify, but you have to go through this class because they don't want you to just become a repeat offender, right? Sure. So I had to learn about money, and and so that was a big thing, and. Once I had a respect for myself, I could have a respect for money because I believe the way you see money is about the way you see how how you see yourself. Ooh, and I didn't see myself. Hold yeah, up. Hold I up. didn't see myself as worthy. 
Okay. And, so wait, and what do you mean by that? How you see your money is how you see yourself. Just take it. Yeah. So well, money is just an energy. Yes, yeah, just right? energy. It's just an energy, right? And most of us, because we're born financially illiterate, the way we see money is really the way our parents saw money. And that's what we inherit. And we take on and do the same things that they did, right? We we create that vicious cycle of robbing Peter to pay Paul and never having enough and always on the hunt and chasing the opportunity just to be able to breathe enough with money. But I think that as I began to, well, not, but I know that once I started to build a relationship with God and I changed the way that I saw myself, I could see money differently. And I'm going to point to a, a parable in the Bible. I love the parable of the talents. Mm. For those of you who don't know the parable, a master is going away and he leaves three of his servants with money, talents, which is a form of money. One, he gives five, one, he gives two, and one, he gives one. And it's really a test. What are they going to do with this money? The one that's given five and the one that's given two, they invest the money and they get a return on the investment. The one who's given one in fear, because they fear the master, they bury the talent and it does nothing. The two that that invest their money and get a return. They are praised. They are made masters over many. The one who buries their talent is banished from the kingdom. And the lesson there is that money is a lesser thing. The Bible talks about money 2,300 times. You know why? Because it's something we need to normalize and master. Wow. And until we master money, God can't give us what he really wants to give us. And so in getting to know God and, and getting to know this, I realized that I couldn't really have a powerful relationship with God and be a steward over every gift he had given me if I didn't learn how to master my money. And so it created this amazing environment for me to learn what money was, how to see it, how to shift the energy around it, how to create it whenever I want, how to stop seeing it as this big mountain and instead to see it as an opportunity, like just, just all the things, Jackie, just. So, so, so great. Wow. Talk about a total transformation. Total transformation. And it really did start when you hit bottom, when yeah. you had to declare bankruptcy. Yeah. Well, it, you. I don't think it can. I don't think that you can. Let me make it about me and not make it about anybody else. Okay. It would have been challenging for me to believe that there was something wrong with me when everything was going right. Everything was going okay. Yeah, yeah. There, there were no problems. denial for an awfully long time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But once you can't keep up anymore, like you have to look at the common denominator. Right. It's me. Right, right, right. <laughs> In every scenario, it's me. I can't blame oh the man. God. I can't blame the economy. I can't, I gotta blame me because I'm, I'm the so only sure. thing that's the same every time something like this happens. Yeah. I, I as we started today, I told you I had just gotten off another meeting. Mm -hmm. I was being interviewed on a podcast just right before this, and I said that exact same thing. <laughs> I use that exact expression. At some point, you have to wake up and recognize the common denominator here is me. Yes. So I want to affirm that for our listeners, the fact that I literally just said that a half hour ago on somebody else's podcast. And yes. here you are affirming that same thing. You know, it is one of the moments of awakening and it is one of the ways that we're able to live life consciously when we are able to look at our lives and stop externalizing blame, uh, absolutely blame the victim. And we say, you know, two things, if it's going to be, it's up to me. And if it's going to be, it's going to come through God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I even say, if it's going to be, it's up to he. 
It's up to he. I love that. Yeah, it's going to be, it's up to he. One of my vision questions for people, in fact, my primary one is, how does God want to express through and as me in this? Oh, that's good. Isn't that a great question? That is so good. J Jackie, that is so good. I need to write that down. Yeah, yeah. You go, girl. Yeah, it's a vision question, you know, because otherwise it's so, visioning is so fertile ground for the ego. Mm-hmm which just leaves you unfulfilled. Even if you accomplish things on your vision, if you're visioning through the ego, it will leave you empty and unfulfilled as it sounds like you probably know from having had yeah. some success and then it didn't really fulfill you and you just kept doing stupid stuff. Right. Stopped, right? Well, all of that is when you're, when you're just trying to gratify the ego, which basically can never be gratified, you know, that process is endless. We start asking a different question. How does God want to express through and as me? How can I bring forth the highest and best. I use God as a verb, God mm -hmm. on earth. How, how can I be Godding on earth? It's a- uh, it, Well, because we're supposed to, God on earth. Genesis yeah. 1 and 26 says, let us make man his own, in our own image and likeness, which makes us gods of the earth. Exactly so right. Don't you know that ye are gods? I mean, yes. it, it says that in the, in the yes. Old Testament as well. Don't you know that ye are gods? Yeah. Um. So yeah, when you claim that, there, there is no separation between self and God. I am here to express yeah. my God self. That is what, you know, for me, I, you know, you said that, you know, maybe we don't sound like a lot of fun if we're living with intention and maybe it doesn't sound like a lot of fun to be my God self on earth. There's nothing more rich, more fulfilling, because literally think about this. It is God that created the universe. Right. And if that is my potential, then I can create anything, anything, anytime, anywhere, any place. Like, let's go. Let's go. It's so delightful and delicious. And then it's just a party to watch Absolutely. how that gets manifest outside of you. Absolutely. Once it's inside of you and you have that vision, you have that clarity, you have that faith, you have that belief. The rest of it is just a party of bringing that into fruition, into, into the physical plane. Absolutely. It's an absolute delight. All right. Next question. I love this. Are you good? You good? I'm good. All right. Next question. I can't wait to hear this. So I've noticed you're very astute in quoting scripture. Mm -hmm. I'm curious what your current, let's call them conscious living practices are. So maybe spiritual practices, but maybe also, you know, well-being and, and nutrition and fitness practices. I don't know. What, what are your current practices in your business and in your life? Your, your business is your life. I, right, I was going to say they're very congruent for me. Yeah, right. Um, right. I'm on a purpose mission. Like I don't feel like I work every day, but that also doesn't mean I work 24 seven. Like I do set my day with the end in mind and, and those types of things. But I do pray, you know, I, before I go to bed at night, I pray first thing in the morning, I pray three times throughout the day. I have three alarms on my, uh, my cell phone. I turned it off because I knew we were meeting at three o'clock, but I have a three twenty alarm that would go off. That is my Ephesians three and 20, which says that he will do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ever ask of, think, or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. So at 3.20 every day, I just stop and express gratitude that I have the power to do more than I could have ever possibly thought. I have a 6.33 alarm, which is for Matthew 6 and 33, which says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things shall be added unto you. And so at 6.33, I just stop and I thank God for being all that I need to live my best life. I have an 8.28 alarm that goes off. That's for Romans 8 and 28, that all things are working together for my good. good. And so I stop and I thank God that all things are working together for my good. So I'm, I'm extremely intentional. I do also stretch every morning. I mean, I'm 47. I can't just 
hit the ground running anymore. I got to make sure that everything is in the right place before I try to get out of the bed. <laughs> so I spend some time stretching. I drink water as soon as I wake up. I spend time, I, I do this, I have two practices that I do. One is I see myself. So I see myself doing the things that I intend to do at some point in time in my life because the power of visualization is what distracts your subconscious mind and brings that into your life experience. And then the second thing that I do is I affirm my commitments because I believe that I'm experiencing the byproduct of whatever I've committed to. And so I'm making sure that at, that at all times, and sometimes I forget, but in general, I'm making sure that I am I'm experiencing what I'm committed to. And if I see something that I don't want, then I need to trace that commitment. Where did I make it okay that I experienced that? So think about settling as an example, and let's make it about business. So let's say, you know, I have, I have 10 clients that are enrolled in my program. And let's say uh, seven of the 10 clients are paying on time or they paid in full and they are showing up for themselves in their business. I have three clients that are problem clients. They are always asking for an extension on their payment plan or they're not paying and they're, we can't. it takes weeks for us to get them back on the phone. Where did I make it okay that people treat me like that? Wow. Where did I make a commitment to that being my reality? So let's retrace, let's denounce that commitment and let's make a different commitment instead. So and let's be going back in your life, where in your so life. Going back to, if so I not can. Not with those 10 people, but going right. back in your life. Where did when that did I say it was okay that you treat me that way? Because that goes back to the story that I always told myself as a child that I didn't deserve it. I wasn't worthy. And so I didn't, I shouldn't speak up. Like I remember even like in my twenties, I would go and I would get a massage and the massage therapist pressure would be too heavy. And I wouldn't tell her oh. I would lay there and I would take it. Or I would go to get my nails done when I was getting my nails done and they would do something that would hurt me. And I wouldn't tell them I would just, because I didn't think that I deserve to say what I needed at some point. Well, I don't believe that anymore. Now people probably wish that the other girl would come back. Cause I'm like, uh, yeah, no, that's not gonna work for me. We need to do this and da, 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 da. But it's because I see myself the way God sees me. He took the time to create me before my mom and my dad had the sex for me to come into the world. Right? Before I'm so important. Join, you were right. there in the I'm mind. so important. And so knowing how important I am and making sure that other people treat me in accordance to the way that God treats me. Okay. Conscious, very intentional to that inside of my life and my life experience. And that's a big part of the reason why I'm enjoying the success that I am today because I'm willing to speak up for myself. Mm -hmm. I am giving people an example of how to treat me because I'm treating myself well mm -hmm. and I'm calling people out when they don't. Fantastic. I love it. Last question, and I have a million more I could ask you, but just bringing this into the day-to-day -day of your business. You know, I love what you said that, you know, your business really is an extension of who you are. I, I say my business is a way of life. Like, it's not what I do. It's who I am. It's who I am. Yeah, yeah it's my business is who I am. So bring this into like just the day-to-day decision-making and, you know, you're writing a book now, like the, and I, I've written a few myself. It's mm -hmm. a ton of decisions, you know, going through writing a book or, you know, applying for uh, this award or like, I don't know, just bring it into the day-to-day. -day. How do you consciously run your business? Yeah. I mean, it, it, the same level of intention, right? So I start each day and, and it's way before I get to the office. 
I start each day setting an intention for my day of what I'm going to do inside of my business. You know, if it's a day where I need to be on the phone having conversations with people, if it's a day when I'm working on the business, because I do both, I work in and I work on, I work on more than I work in, but I do both. Um, I have a schedule that my assistant has sitting on my desk when I come in every single morning, or she oftentimes she puts it here at night. Sometimes I'm here, sometimes I'm not. And I come in and I see what's there. And on my um, sheet, it says, what are the five most important things that I need to do today? What are the five things that I'm grateful for that happened throughout the course of my day? So I'm looking at things that happen and I'm tracking the gratitude of that. So it could be that I finished a chapter, you know, or it could be that I closed a new client or it could be that I had this amazing conversation with you. I'm grateful for that. Getting me to sit in the seat of the significance of who I am is something worthy to celebrate, right? So being intentional to that um, and also being intentional to the goals that we set and who we are as a company, right? Like I, you know, I have employees, so I can't just like, they can't just dial it in. Like we have goals and we have things we have to do in order for all of us to continue to get paid and making sure that someone is managing to that every single day. Sometimes it's me, sometimes it's our ops manager, but that everything that needs to be covered is, is being taken care of. Even to the point where like a few days ago, my assistant came in and she's like, I'm not having a good day today. Can I go home? Yes. Because you're not any good to me if you're not well. So go take care of yourself. Yeah. I'll figure it out or it will keep, but I need you to be well. Right. And, and, and leading with that example, I don't come to work when I'm not feeling well, because I don't want people to push through. Like I I can't think of anything that happens inside of my business that is so urgent that I can't put my self-care first. Wow. And those are, those are just some of, of the examples. Now, again, I didn't wake up like this. This is years of intention, years of getting clear about who I am and who I desire to be, because you know you have to be it in order to become it and giving myself permission to be it and to be it fully so that it does manifest and show up in my life experience. Oh, I am so, so grateful for the way that you're showing up in the world. It's extraordinary. You are the most authentic million million dollar producer entrepreneur that I've ever met. And I've you know, met- people tell me that. <laughs> people tell me that. And I get it because I think. I, I just, I don't know why. I mean, I, I guess we could probably go back and you could do this probably more, even more so than me as a psychotherapist. We could go back to people's ch- childhood and see the stories they're still telling themselves because they've been told these stories from birth to the age of seven and now it just becomes reality for them. Mm-hmm. But I just know that I'm not helping anyone if I act as if my shit doesn't stink. It does. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just, I'm not helping anyone if I don't, if I'm not real, yeah. um, and I'm just so committed, like I'm, I'm not the only outcome Jackie I'm attached to is the one where God gets the glory, mm. I'm not attached to any other outcome. So it really takes all of that ego out. It's not about me. It doesn't need to be for me. Like you don't have to do anything for me. I just want for, I just want for him to be, you know, excited and, 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 glad that I'm here being a steward for him. Like that's really what it's all about for me. And it, and because of that, that's why I have so much. Because if, if you're willing to, to die to self, if you're willing to make it about something other than yourself, then you'll be afforded everything. That's abundance really. So. Extraordinary, extraordinary. Yeah. You are are egoless. Yeah. And, and really living the truth of to God be the glory. Yeah, absolutely. So, So great. 
Danielle, somehow I have a feeling that my listeners might want to track you down. Where is the best place for people to get in touch with you and hear more about you? Yeah, um, on social media, I'm easy at Darnell Jervy Harmon everywhere. Um, my personal website is drdarnell.com, and my company website is incredibleoneenterprises.com. Fantastic! So such an honor to be your colleague and to share this time with you. So thank you for your generosity, your love, your wisdom, and just who you're being in the world. The world is a better place because you know who you are. So thank, thank you. you for that. I appreciate that, Jackie. Good night. Bye bye.